Loving Father, we thank you for a new day, and this being the preparation day, I pray that uh, we will learn today in this class and others, uh, but ultimately that our, our hearts and lives will be preparing for the Sabbath rest that you have provided. So bless us through this day and the rest of the encampment. We do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first text today, if you'd like to look it up in your Bible, Proverbs chapter 3. We've been reading a lot from Proverbs, haven't we? A lot of good advice in uh, Proverbs. So here it is, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So Proverbs, uh, to me, is a, one of the very interesting books because oftentimes the first portion of a verse says one thing and the last portion, portion kind of contrasts what the first part said. In this case, it doesn't do that. Verse 9 talks about honoring the Lord. And then verse 10 gives the result of what happens when you honor the Lord. When you honor the Lord, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And, and the books that we've been handing out, incidentally, we have two books uh, that we're giving away. And if you haven't gotten those yet, be sure to see us to get those. One of the books has 150 stories of how people have been faithful to God and, and what has happened when they have done that. What are the first fruits? What do you think of when, when you think of the first fruits? Do you remember what that was? Yes? I'm thinking very specifically in the time that it was applied. What is the application? So when God told the Israelites to give of their first fruits, what was, what was that? The first of the harvest. So we give to God first. There's that principle there. We've been talking about that. When you make your budget, what you give to the Lord and what you return to the Lord um, should be first. But it also uh, connotes the best. So you don't just give God the first and, and it really wasn't all that great. You, you give Him the best, right? Sometimes we want to keep the best for ourselves. So if you think of a literal harvest, which is what this is talking about, uh, you don't pick out the, the spotted and worm-eaten apples and give those to God. You give God the best of the apples, okay? So the principle there, not only do we think of God first, but we also uh, give Him the best. And, and this applies not only to money, but it applies to our efforts and uh, things like that as well. Proverbs 11.25, another promise in this respect, the generous, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. I don't know if you have anybody has a King James Version. I was reading from the New King James. But uh, Proverbs 11.25. I believe in the, in the original King James it says the generous soul will be made fat. Do you remember the... The remember literal the, soul shall be made fat. The, the, yes. All right. Thank you. The liberal soul will be made fat. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with African culture, but I have a, 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 some very good friends that were in my church district down in Indiana. Uh, he was from Tanzania and she was from Kenya. 
uh, brilliant people. She spoke eight languages. I don't, I don't know how many he spoke. Uh, he was, had a master's degree in electrical engineering. and So they were in my church there, and they shared some things about their African culture. This was fascinating. We had quite a mix of uh, cultures in that church in Terre Haute, Indiana. We also had a, a lady who was a Latin American. I can't remember what country she was from. I, maybe Peru or something like that. Uh, cultures in, in South America are a little different from Africa. And, and here's an example. So, Navessa is the name of the uh, African girl, said to the other one one day, you are looking very fat. Well, <laughs> she didn't appreciate that. But you have to understand in African culture, that's a high compliment. Because that means that your family has their own cow and they're eating well, and so they're not malnourished, and they're doing very well. So when the Bible here says the liberal soul shall be made fat, or the generous soul shall be made rich, it's talking about when we give to God, we aren't going to lack. We're actually going to have increase and have uh, more than we uh, otherwise would need. So I want to take you to a story in uh, Genesis chapter 14. This is the story of Abraham. I'm going to read a few verses here so we can get the story. You remember that uh, Abraham was called out of his home country by God, and he went, and who went with him? Besides his household, what other household went along with Abraham? Lot, his nephew. And so they went out together, and um, they found that they were too prosperous, their herds were too big, and there was uh, fighting among their herdsmen. And so Abraham proposed that they, that they separate and they, and they get their own tracts of land, so to speak. And so Abraham proposed that they divide. And since Abraham was the senior, he had the right to choose. And so he chose the best and most fertile for himself, didn't he? No, he didn't. He said to Lot, where would, where would you like to go? If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. He gave Lot the choice, even though uh, by hierarchy, it was his choice. Lot chose what seemed best for him. Didn't turn out too well for Lot. Abraham took the mountain countries. Lot took the fertile valleys. And uh, so Abraham demonstrated in that instance, and many others, but in that instance, he, he demonstrated his generosity. But I want to look at this story because Lot then lived in the plain uh, in Sodom. And you remember uh, Sodom and, and all its inhabitants and possessions uh, were taken away captive by a, uh, an invading king. And when uh, Abraham heard of it, he took action. Verse uh, 18. Now let's go back to verse 14. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, it was really his his, his nephew, but as his brother in spirit, was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the children. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, 
I, I'm not great at pronouncing these words, so we'll, we'll call them what we, what we wish. Are, are there any Greek or Hebrew scholars in here? Okay, we can call them what we wish then. So in the, uh, the King's Valley, it's called, after his return from the de defeat of uh, Chedorlaomer, Laomer, and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who, de who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. So let's review what we've done so far. Lot and a bunch of people get captured, along with all of their possessions. Abram comes along with his people. He defeats the enemy, scatters them. They leave all the spoil. They leave all the people. Now Abram is taking all of these people and all of the possessions back with him. And the first thing that he does is he pays tithe to God of all those things that he has recovered. Now, this is an interesting aspect of the story to me because notice what happens next. Now, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. All right? It's clearly understood. King of Sodom says, hey, let, let me have my people back. Whatever spoil that you have brought back, you keep it. That's, that's payment. But Abram said to king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will, take, I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich, except only that the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So this is interesting. Ab Ab I'm going to call him Abraham because that's what his name became. Abraham did not consider the spoil that he had brought back his. Even though he rightfully earned it, it should be his. He didn't consider it his. He considered it to be the possession of the king of Sodom. And yet, what did he do before he gave it to the king of Sodom? He paid tithe on that spoil. Uh, interesting uh, aspect of um, Abraham's loyalty to God, his tithing to God, and his generous spirit. He could have taken that for himself and nobody would have thought ill of him. That, that was his. In those days, the, the captor uh, got the spoil. That's just the way it was. But Abraham wouldn't keep it. Now you may be tempted to think, well, it's easy for people who are wealthy to be generous. So, do you think that Abraham was generous because he was rich? Or was Abraham rich because he was generous? Because the text that we read in the Bible this, this, earlier this morning indicates to me that Abraham and others like him were rich because they were generous. They weren't generous because they were rich. 
Because we read, if we honor God with the first fruits, our barns will be full and our vats will be full. Um, there's a song, speaking of songs, I won't sing this one either, but uh, says you can never, never outgive the Lord, is outlove the Lord, but um, we, we know that if we're faithful to God, He will be faithful to us. I, I think I just told a few of you the other day, I hope I didn't tell all of you this, and I'm repeating myself, because then I'm going to need to have an appointment with someone that I really don't want to have an appointment with. Uh, <laughs> I'll just do this briefly. Uh, an extended family member of mine, not in my immediate family, told how that um, they barely could make ends meet. Did I, did I tell this to all of you? Or just a few? Anyway, they could barely make ends meet. Nothing left in the checkbook each month. They decided through prayer to test God, and, and they, I think they were giving 1% offering. Faithful tithe, 1% offering. So they said, we're going to test God, so we're going to add a percentage to our offering. Did I tell all of you this? No. Tell, okay, good. <laughs> so do I. So going to give an extra percent to God this, this month. And so they did. And that month, there was a little bit of money left in the checkbook. Be, previous month, none. Next month, the deal with the Lord was we're going to add another percent. We're up to 3% now. There was a little more money left in the checkbook. Any accountants in the room here? I know there's a couple in there because I know you, but okay, I know this doesn't equate, but not unless you're doing God's math. The next month, we're up to 4%, a little more money left in the checkbook. The deal with God was to go all the way to 10%, and there was still money left in the checkbook. No pay raises during that time either, so that wasn't the fix. That happens many times, though. When, when you increase to God, He increases your wages. I've, I've seen it in, in so many cases, and the book is full of stories like that, too. So... I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I'll admit to you, I don't have the faith to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you 75% of my income. I'm going to live on the 25%. I don't know how that would work. I, I guess I could sell a lot of things <laughs> and live in a tent or something. But if, if you test God, he, he will be faithful to you. So I did this in two different con congregations that I was pastoring. I challenged the congregation, whatever they are giving to God, tithe is a, no, a non-issue. You, you, that's God's. And so we're robbing God, not embezzling from God, not, um, what's the other thing? Uh, not, not burglarizing God because a burglar doesn't want to see you. We're robbing God. That's bold in your face, gun in your face. I'm killing you if you, if you don't give me the money. That's, that's what we do to God when, when we, when we uh, don't give him his tithe. So that's a no-brainer. But with your offerings, I, I challenge the congregation to add 1% to whatever they're giving. If you're giving 1%, give 2. If you're giving 5, give 6. If you're giving 10, give 11. So a pastor shouldn't challenge his congregation to do something that he doesn't do. So I had to do it. <laughs> then uh, when I moved to another congregation, I, I challenged them to add a half a percent. So again, I, I had to do that too. I believe that God has answered me in this way uh, just as the Bible has said. I probably, now I don't have any little kids that I'm raising or putting through school. I understand that. We're done with that. But um, there seems to be more money left over than, than ever, ever has before. And um, 
I, I think our conference is faithful in, in uh, paying pastors well, but um, we've missed a few pay raises because of economy and things like that, and that's fine. But God manages. That's, that's the point. One last verse, 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if you plant, uh, it will, we'll use the illustration that works in this area. If you plant two hills of potatoes, you'll probably get two hills of potatoes worth. Don't expect a dozen. You gotta, it's obvious. You've got to plant more if you're going to get more. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I just want to encourage you, and I'm going to challenge you, to consider your giving to God. If you're not being faithful in tithing, then uh, you just have to do that. That's just all there is to it. Uh, and, and God will reward you for that. But more so, I want to challenge you to consider your giving to God, your offering. That's what really tells your thank response to God for His blessings to you. And just prayerfully consider, maybe bumping it a little bit, and just see what God will do. So we're going to turn this over to Melissa, and she's going to give us more of the nuts and bolts of generosity. So have we had a good week? Are we tired? I'm tired this week. It's Friday. It's been a good week. It's been a very good week. So let's do a little review again, okay? And thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, again, my name is Melissa. If you have questions as we go along, um, we might be able to answer a couple as we go along. We'll try to save some time for the end. We say that every day, and I'm always afraid I'm going to not have enough things to say during the time we have left. And we have filled that time with, with good things. So we, we're taking you through a progression this week. It's been very intentional, not just in the way that we named it to make it catchy and fun, but really in the fact that as we work through these different steps, it really brings us to today. We've talked about the importance of getting out of debt, and we're going to review that a little bit later. Um, we are going to probably just do a uh, kind of tie in Dave Ramsey's baby steps, which we talked about the other day, um, and, that's re and how we move through those steps and how our relationship to giving changes. But getting out of debt needs to be one of our first and foremost things. Then budgeting and planning when it comes to how we're managing our money and our day-to-day -day expenses. That saving money is really, really smart. And yesterday, um, I apologize I wasn't here, I was being fed as a parent yesterday, um, but the importance of how we're planning for our future um, and how we ultimately leave that legacy behind um, and those that we help. So I, so I was thinking about this. I really wanted to um, tie this all into stewardship. Um, one of the many roles that um, Uncle Joel and Pastor Gene um, manage is the stewardship department at our conference. And when you read through this, I, if this doesn't touch you um, and how we're managing our money, and we're going to talk actually about a couple other aspects of giving um, and generosity today, but the office duties and obligation of a steward... That's the definition of stewardship, the first one. The second definition of stewardship, the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. 
that definition is something's been entrusted to me to manage. It's not mine. Nowhere in there does it says managing your own stuff. Uh, we are entrusted to manage what's been given to us. One of the things, I, um, as I've shared this week, is um, I have been, one of my responsibilities is I am a steward in my business. And I've been doing this for 11 years, and every year God gives me more to manage. And I don't think he would give me more to manage if I, didn't, if I wasn't a good steward along the way. More people to take care of who are responsible for their families. Um, as far as our team members go, more patience to help and to, to find freedom from pain. M more money comes with that. And as those numbers get bigger or there's more zeros behind stuff, um, it's that same principle of that I am, I am required to be a good steward of that. Now, I mentioned earlier that God and I sometimes wrestle. I think it's mine. I think it's my business. And, and God humbles me frequently, and I am reminded that it is his business. And when we're challenged in the office, I have an opportunity not only to be a steward, but to be a witness to those around me, again, to my team and to, and to the people that we serve. And we have those conversations when we, when we see a change happening or a challenge happening to say out loud that if God wants us to do this, he will continue to provide and that we need to be good stewards of what he gives us to provide. But we're stewards at home, at work, <laughs> I like my typo, <laughs> at play or at pray, right? <laughs> um, no matter what we're doing, we are a steward. So let's talk about why giving is important or generosity, okay? Um, it is really, truly a reflection of your heart, right? Where your money goes, your heart is. I, have you ever done this? Have you ever taken the time to actually write out your priorities? We, we talk about it, right? And we often say, God is first, and then my spouse, and then my kids, and then work or business or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm notorious about not putting my, my health or self-care in there, right? That should be a priority. But we do that, right? We say, this is our priorities. However, when it comes to our stewardship of our time, money, talents, does that match up with that? Which is, to me, a really profound question to ask myself and really challenging if I look at what's happening in my life. Am I actually living what I say my priorities are? And that's what we're going to kind of talk to, through today. I love this question, this what if. And as I've prepared you know, for this week and as we're wrapping things up, what could we do for the kingdom of God if we had no debt? We've talked about some big numbers this week. Billions of dollars in credit card debt across this country. Billions of dollars in student loan. It's, it's the new financial crisis. Um, we, we saw what happened in 2008 and 2009, right? Debt is this heavy burden that we're carrying. And when we're carrying that, we can't, we don't have a heart of generosity, right? We're, we're in survival mode at that point. We can't see past the end of our nose. So that is the question. What could we do? What if we had no debt? What if we are, we are or you are spending less than you make? What if we're living within our means? What if we managed our, man, a lot of typos today, our money like, like 
God owned it all. Except he does own it all. What if we're a steward and God says, manage this for me? Would it be different if you worked for a company and, and you, were, you were the chief operations officer or you, know, you were the, the controller and the head of the company says, we have $10,000, $100,000, a million dollars, right? doesn't matter how many zeros are behind there. And you are responsible for managing that for me. Would you manage that differently than you would your money at home? Because you, it's somebody else's money. It's not your own. And so we keep that in that context of what God's giving us. I, I think it changes how we think. What if we put Jesus first in all of our decisions? We kind of, as, as we talked about this yesterday, or the other day, we were talking about, um, we kind of talked about those baby steps, right? And that's really from debt to saving for emergencies, for emergencies, and then we're talking about saving for home and kids' college and for retirement. And as we work through that, all right, as we go through those steps, what we should see, am I doing that right? Visually, this isn't working the way I want it to. As we work down, We're going to see our giving change. I would even challenge you. We're going to have a heart change. Because no longer are we drowning in debt and one paycheck away from disaster, one health episode from disaster. But as we move through that, the opportunities that happen over here grow. And yes, the final thing would be giving. And as we talked about that the other day, we're talking about extra giving. Because through all of this, as Pastor Gene already said, his tithe is a non-negotiable. That's God's. Offerings, giving above and beyond, that will grow because no longer are we worried. About, this is self right here. When we're in debt, this is all about us. This is all about what I want, what I bought, when I wanted it, and I wanted it now because I wasn't willing to have delayed gratification and tell myself no. But as we get rid of that, right, and that we're going to get rid of that as fast as we can, then we get to move into savings mode, where we can plan for the things that may or may not happen. But we don't want to get stuck here, right? We, you need to have a reasonable amount of savings, right? We need to plan for stuff to happen. But my three to six months of expenses is different than my three to six months of income. It's not the same number. I don't need that much money. That may be what I make, but I don't need that to live. Because like I've shared, I've, we've been through a number of different challenges, and I know how to shut it down and can say no, and you eliminate all that excess when you have to do it. question is, should we do that more? But as we move through the savings, so that we can get here, so that we can be generous. So yes, we're talking a lot about money and stewardship this week, but as I thought about this, I really wanted to make sure that we covered three different things when it comes to the ways that we can give and the ways that we can be generous. God gives us all 24 hours a day. Nobody gets more, nobody gets less. Sometimes I wish I could stop the clock to catch up. <laughs> but God gives us all the same amount. Time is such a reflection of our priorities. I, we, we make a budget for our money, right, if we're on, on track. But have you ever budgeted your time? 
there's some different, uh, different tools and skills that I've seen in business where you do kind of a time study of your workday, if anybody's ever done that, where, right, you've done that. So you, what you do is you kind of outline how you've spent your time during the day. And there can be a lot of waste. There can be a lot of waste. I spent too much time on this email or I got distracted by this phone call that wasn't important. Um, not prioritizing your time during your day. I think because sometimes we work so hard at work, we come home and maybe are less disciplined in our time. One of the things, one of my takeaways yesterday when we were, when I was listening to um, something on parenting is really how kids do better with a routine. Now, depending on where your kids are at in life, mine are still little, uh, and it is amazing how that routine, that consistency, they behave better when we don't start showers at the right time. <laughs> We start late, then we rush through, and it's not really our kids' fault. It's it's our as parents we're rushing through, and then and then we don't take care of the kids well, and then everything you know, it, everybody goes to bed angry at that point because we've we've not managed our time well, where it can be a blessing to spend time together, and those kind of things. So think about that when it comes to generosity, your time. Also, we're gonna talk, like I said, we're gonna talk about time, talents, and money here. Some of us may have more time than money. And that, that is one way to be very generous. I am blessed in my life that on the days that I work, I have a team of grandmas, I really do have a team of grandmas, that help watch my kids for me every day. They're, they're watched by my mom, my mother-in-law, and their great-grandma. So they get to spend time with different generations of family and, they're, and what they're seeing now, I've, I've heard this said before, is that when we're not connecting our kids to different generations, they're not learning their values. We lose that. We, we, my grandma's been through stuff that I haven't been through, and now my kids get to learn from her. They get to go where there's goats and chickens, and they get to run around in the yard and do all these kind of things. And my grandma is giving of her time to bless them in my life. I'm so thankful for that. That is a huge blessing in our life. So there are ways that we can give and give generously to others in our time. I love the discussion of talents. One of our challenges is, is identifying that God actually has given us talents and a gift that we can help others with. Now, that may not be teaching in the children's department. <laughs> you may not be wired for that. My sister is wired for that. Since, since she was a little kid, she has been connected to kids. It, it is her gift. She's phenomenal at it. And she continues to serve in church and in other ways in connecting with kids, with connecting with her nieces and nephews. My kids are blessed because they have an aunt who cares so much about them. Not necessarily my talent. I'm willing to step up if she misses, you know, Sabbath school or something and I'm there. But that's not how God made me. God, we, it's okay for us to sit down and spend some time and saying, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. I've had to identify that in business. I realize that I really still can treat patients and do it well, but it's not really where I've headed and where I've changed. I, I love running the practice. I love supporting my team. I love solving problems. It's, it's what I like. I don't have the gift of food. 
There is a couple women in this room who have the gift of food. They are generous. They're the ones that's making bread for somebody who's in need, and they're the one that's bringing meals to somebody. And sometimes it's hard for me because I feel like, well, I'm supposed to because I'm a wife and mother. Honestly, it's not how God made me, or how I've been crafted, or how I've been changed. But some people have been given that gift. I have other gifts, and God's given us all different things so we can all serve in different ways, which I think is what's wonderful. Um, and amazing, and and when we're asked to do those things that we are good at, will we step up and serve? And will we will we be generous in our communities and in our churches and in our families? All right. Same thing. Have you noticed a the theme? Money is limited. We have limited talents. We have limited time. But how we spend those things is all really a reflection of our priorities, right? Pastor Gene already said this. He beat me to it. You can't outgive God. Isn't that in our monies and our time and talents? But we're going to talk about money more specifically now. You can't outgive Him. No matter how hard we try, the blessings that come back to us are amazing. And I and I can't. I'm really struggling to come up with some specific examples in our life. But I know, as Pastor Gene had pointed out, as we systematically increase in our giving. Um, that there is, there's more and more money for us to manage. There is, I don't have those specific statistics, but um, this is professional, professional athletes and lottery winners are really very similar in their, in their financial challenges. A lot of times these are individuals who never had any money. So you go from zero to 60 in about one second. You may have, you're, you have no money as a college student and then you're drafted in the NBA and you're making millions and millions of dollars. And they have zero concept of how to handle $20, let alone $20 million, right? Um, because we've never been taught that. I know that I appreciate that God only gives me what I can handle because money could ruin me. It could absolutely ruin me. And God, God doesn't want that for us. Um, but he, if we are good managers and good stewards, he may challenge us to manage more. And, and as he gives more, more is expected. We talked about this the other day, too. Joel mentioned this. This is a great Dave Ramsey quote. Live like no one else, so later you can live and give like no one else. Again, this is why we're talking through this process this week about how dumb debt is and how important it is to plan and save so that when it comes to giving, we're there. So again, we're working through these different steps. That's the conversation today, though, is everybody in this room is at a different point. Whether you're at a different step along the way or you're at a different place financially than somebody else in the room, nobody is walking the same room, same, same road, which is why your finances are very personal between you, your spouse if you're married, and God. So that is a two- or three-way street. And so that's where it's not I can't come in and, and step in and tell you exactly what I would do in your situation because you have different obligations, different stresses, different backgrounds, different upbringings. But working through those steps so that we can get to that point where all we're thinking about is how can we give and to give generously. All right, so let's talk, let's talk more tactically about giving, right, and giving generously. And I might bring Joel up for this, too, to kind of talk through some of the systematic giving when we, when we talk about tithe and stuff like that, because I think that Joel has a really um, a great perspective on this. So 
So one of the things that we do, right, and this is sitting in the front of the pew at church, right, is your tithe envelope. Now, I prefer to have them in the drawer at home, <laughs> which is something we forget about sometimes, right, where we honestly forget or we get to church and you're like, oh, writing out that check, right, because I wanted to get it because I don't want to forget to do it later. Um, so we have some of these in our junk drawer with our, with our envelope system um, in there. And there, when you look at your tithe envelope, Right, there's some suggestions on here. Okay, there's some suggestions on giving. But again, giving is very personal. We've talked about how important tithe is. And I think what God has outlined in systematic giving as a percentage eliminates our ability to use our brain <laughs> for us to make that mistake. Um, Joel, if you wouldn't mind coming up, I would love for you to kind of talk through, because um, this was asked after one of the other... Um, other meetings the other day in regards to tithing off your first fruits and stuff like that. So I, I, if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit. Yeah, the question was raised about, um, you know, what do you tithe off? And first I want to just uh, commend our God that he did not make it a dollar amount. And if he said, okay, every month you got to give $500. That's not very fair, is it? Because if it's $500, that may be your whole income. <laughs> Uh, and it may be like a, a penny to somebody else. But he gives a percentage, which that comes right, goes up and down as you have your income. Now the question is, do you, do you tithe before you know, your, your taxes are taken out or after? Now I'm not here to tell you what you need to do. I'm just going to tell you what I think is the best thing to do. And that is, if you're going to put God first, you've got to put him first. He comes before the government even. And you'd be, ah, but, but they just take that out of my paycheck. I don't even see it. Well, you still, it was yours. Because what, what do taxes go for? What, what do we, what do you, your federal taxes go for what? Yeah, you got roads, military, you know, yeah, you're paying politicians to do nothing. I get that. <laughs> uh, um, I get all that. But, but you're paying for services, aren't you? That have been rendered. So that's, that's, in my mind, my wife and I look at that, it's just like any other bill that we have. I, I like driving on good roads, don't you? Because driving on good roads saves me car repairs. <laughs> and, and granted, Michigan here, um, it, it, it's very questionable. But anyway, so I would encourage you to put God first. And that is, okay, this is what I actually made. Yeah, my taxes come out, but I'm, I'm paying my tithes and my offerings off this number up here, okay? So what, what you'll find then is, again, as Melissa has mentioned, it's this heart change, okay? Because that's what God wants. He doesn't need the money. It's His. What He wants is your heart. And once He has your heart, then He's got what He wants, okay? Because the money's His, your heart you have to give to Him. He, he's not just going to take it. But this process changes that. And that's why tithes and offerings, it, it, it's a salvation issue. Okay? It is a salvation issue. Why? Because it's a relationship issue. Salvation is not based on keeping the Sabbath. Salvation is not based on not eating pork. Okay? Salvation is based upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. Giving, tithes and offerings, that's all about relationship. Do I trust Jesus enough? When he says, this is what I want you to do, do I trust him enough to do that? And he said, I'll provide, I trust him to provide, or do I not quite trust him? That's why stewardship is a salvation issue. 
There's not one person that's going to make it to heaven that was not a faithful steward. You understand that? And that stewardship, as Melissa brought out, and I appreciate that, that's time, that's your health, that, that's life. Okay, It's not just money. Money's a part of that. Because think of this. If you're not a faithful steward with all this here, are you going to be faithful up there? No, what you're going to be doing is chopping off pieces of pavement, thinking that, man, this gold, I'm, I'm going to take this gold, right? No, God can't have people like that there. And that's why stewardship is to prepare us for eternity. So I would encourage you, when it comes to your tithes and offerings, put God first. And as Melissa mentioned here, I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear, your local church budget, and we talked about this the other day, that I know some churches put, well, you've got to give 5% or 8%. You know, this, this area is where you can negotiate with God a little bit. Not with your tithes. God says 10%. Here, it's, okay, Lord, um, as Pastor Gene said with the story he mentioned twice. <laughs> See, I'm not as old as some of you. I remember he said it the other day. Uh, but, but you start, you start testing God, and you start adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. Okay? You know, it's interesting, and I think it's Patriarchs and Prophets, Ellen White mentions that in the economy of Israel, they were to give 25% of their income. When you take all the different offerings, 25% of their income, God expected them to return. And we think we're doing good when we do 15. Oh man, <laughs> I can give 15%. Um, so what, what that tells me is God is wanting to challenge us more and more and more. Why? For the gospel to go to the whole world, money needs to be given. Right? I mean, money needs to be given. Are you tired of this world yet? Anyone tired of it? Are we living as though we're tired of it? Or are we living as though, well, you know what? I want to take that vacation. I want this cruise. I want, you know, I'm saving for this. And because, and yeah, if the Lord comes, great. But if not, that's okay because I've got a plan. You know, we need, to, we need to start living as though we want the Lord to come. Now, I'm not saying you've got to sell everything you own and, and, and give it all away. But I think each of us, if we were to just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick this up a little bit. Just think how much more could be done. How many more people could be one to the cross? How many more people could be a part of eternal life if we were just more generous? Is that what you wanted me to? Mm, I love it. Thank okay. You. Give this back to you. Did anybody else swallow hard when he said 25%? <laughs> when you think about what you're currently doing, does that number, is, how, and again, I, no, don't raise any hands, don't need any answers here, but when you think about where are you at in your giving, are you like, okay, right, I'm getting there, or are you like, that is a huge number to me, and that makes me super uncomfortable. A lot of stuff that's written in the Bible isn't to make us feel good about ourselves. <laughs> it is to agitate us and to challenge us. Because if God didn't do that, we, we wouldn't see that. He wants to bless us. I, I love how in the children's Sabbath school lesson, they refer to the Ten Commandments as the happiness, happiness rules. Right? Like, it's not a negative. God knows if you do this, I can bless you this way. When you do this, it's ugly. Right? And this is just a reflection of that. So Joel's expanded on that, and thank you for doing that. And we talk about that systematic percentage giving. Now, there is going to be situations where you may systematically give an amount, 
that may happen where you where you commit and we, we'll come back to this. I'm, I haven't forgotten Barb's question about pledging. We will come to that, right? We're not, no, I think it's very important. I think it's very important for us to talk about that um, today. But there may be something you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support that missionary and I'm gonna you know, give them a certain amount each month. Now, better to give systematically, right? Because again, as God increases, he may do that. Um, special giving. Now, I don't have permission to tell this story, so I will leave this very vague, but I know somebody who works in healthcare who does have to work on Sabbath occasionally. And this individual shared this with me, and I almost cried when I heard this. That individual pledged that they would never spend that money for themselves. So they have a special account that when special projects come up, mission trips come up, that money goes to those things and those things only. Because they knew that there could be a challenge with self. Well, that's extra money for me for me to do extra things. That becomes that challenge. It, and that was just one situation that I had heard that story and I was like, oh, that is quite amazing. But if we had a special giving fund, what if we systematically set money aside so that when Religious Liberty Sabbath comes up or the blind camp or when they're raising money for Strong Tower Radio, you not aren't looking at what I necessarily have to sacrifice because we're you know in that budgeting planning stage. We're down here and we're just waiting for opportunities to give and be generous. Doesn't that sound like that sounds like fun to me? That's where I want to be. Where you're you're waiting for somebody to ask for it. You're waiting for that that letter to come in the mail from the college student who's going to go study overseas or somebody who wants to go do a mission trip. And those things come in the mail and you go, I've got money set aside for that. Or I could pay that whole thing for that person. Yes, Joel. <laughs> I knew he would be jumping out of his seat today. I, I said, are you sure you don't just want to do it today? No, no. with all this, what Melissa is saying is correct, but there's a point that we need to add, and that is this. We don't want to get so much into our planning that we don't give sacrificially because the real blessing comes when we dip in sacrificially, okay? So, so you, you've, you've set money aside, you, you know, you're, you're giving your 20% systematically, but now another area, someone comes up, there's a missionary that needs funds. What you don't want to say is, well, I already gave my 20%. So no, it's like, because those are opportunities to grow. When you give sacrificially, you grow more than if you give systematically, if that makes sense, okay? So when there's those times where, you know what, there's a real need here, um, we were going to go out to eat. You know, Ellen White talks about a self-denial box. Ever read about that? You know what a self-denial box is? She talks about you have that box that you put on the, on the mantle or on the, on the counter, and it's for self-denial. We're going to go out to eat tonight. Well, you know what? Instead of going out and spending 50 bucks, why don't we stay home and put the 50 bucks in the self-denial box? So what you've done is now you've sacrificed. You put that money in there, so now when there's a need, you can give. And what that does, the blessing isn't so much in, in that you can give that. The blessing is you've denied self. Whenever you deny self, there's a blessing that comes with that, no matter what it is. So I would encourage you, yes, you know, have it systematic, but don't leave it at that. When there's a need, I mean, my, I, I saw my dad do this more than I can count. He always kept a $50 bill in his, in his wallet, tucked in there. Whenever he saw a need, he'd put, here, have that. I saw him do that more, and everybody was like, kid, I was like, Dad, give that to me. <laughs> That's what I always thought. 
But I saw him do that time and time again. I mean, I can, what's, I can remember this one on Sabbath morning. There was a, a student that came up from Andrews to preach. Well, when they come up to preach, they're on their own. I saw him give him a $50 bill. I was like, wow, you know, that, that impressed me so much that you know, he, he, he sacrificed, self-denied to put that aside so when there was a spontaneous need, he could give it. And that's where we really want to get to. Yes, systematically, we're, we're, you know, we, if we can reach this 25% systematically, but we don't stop there. That, that's not where we stop. If we, if we have another opportunity to give more, give more, give more, and sacrifice to do it. You know what? There's this student that really wants to go to, to the academy, and you know what? If I don't, if, we, if family doesn't take a vacation this year, we could we could put 1,200 bucks towards that. Why don't we not take a vacation this year and let's help the student to be in a place where they can meet, meet Christ? That's sacrificial giving where it hurts, and we need to do that. It's not just all the 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 fun fun. We got to give also get to the point where we give when it hurts. That makes sense. Which is one of the challenges we have in culture with the word no. Telling ourselves no is not popular. It's not easy. And it takes practice. It actually really does take practice. And I think it was on there, Joel. I was getting there. No, that's awesome, right? It was the next thing, sacrificially. So, all right. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit, right? Where can we give of our money? This can be your local church. This can be your, your regional conference. This can be global missions. This can be mission projects, home and abroad. Um, individuals, Joel mentioned that already, right? Who do we know that could, could need help? Um, one of the fun things, as, and again, I didn't have a great picture of my extreme couponing stockpile, which was a little bit crazy, um, but it was so much fun. There was a couple of times, especially around Christmas time, there's something, we seem to be a bit more generous at Christmas, although we sh- if we could share that generosity throughout the year. And I, um, so I have this garage full of stuff, good stuff, toiletries, diapers, I mean, I've got so much food in my pantry that I, that I can't eat it all in the next month. And there was a, there was a couple of um, people who had come to me that says, hey, I'll, can I come shop your store or whatever so that I can give to somebody else? And I was like, no, I don't want your money. It was, I remember filling two big boxes, one full of just toiletry stuff. And one, I went to the house and boxes of cereal and pasta and spaghetti sauce and canned goods and whatever and filled another box. And then just gave it to them, and they gave it to the next person. Selfishly, I, I would love to have seen his face because there is real joy in seeing people give something. But God didn't give me that opportunity in this situation. He said, give it to them, they'll give it to the next person in need. So much fun to do that. Um, I'm going to share the next story, not because I'm... Sorry, the clock is malfunctioning. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, sorry, distracted me. I'm not telling this story because it has anything to do with what we're doing, so please keep that in mind. This is, this is not a story that we're bragging on. Um, but I was having this conversation, I was talking with somebody the other day, that we have way more than we need. I have way more clothes than I need, I have way more food than I need, my kids have way more toys than they need. <laughs> we, we, we have so much. And a couple of years ago, um, we changed how we did Christmas with my siblings, with my, my brother and sister and our spouses. So every year, there's only six of us. 
we draw somebody's name or we draw a couple name or we, we get them a gift. And one year, I'm not kidding, we all gave everybody like a gift card to go out to dinner and we'll watch your kids for, for a night. Like we all just gave each other the same thing. It was pretty funny. Somebody, not me, somebody wiser than me in our, in, in our circle, which was probably either my sister or sister-in-law, said, what if we went looking for a family in need? And the last two years, we have sought out somebody that we, that either they knew, somebody in church, something like that, and said, let's give to them. What do they need, right? Is that packages of diapers? Is that clothes? Is that more food than they can eat over the next couple of months? And so we've done that. And um, the first time I think that we did it, we did it anonymously. We connected with a family member and filled her car full of stuff. I don't even know how much it was because I brought what I had to my sister's house and they filled it up and she gave it to them. Again, I think God wants to humble us. So we didn't get a chance to see the result, but we said rather than buying each other more stuff that we don't really need, let's find another family to give to. And it's fun. I, I think God God made this, right? Giving is fun. He wants to give to us and I think he want, he's... He's just waiting for us to make good decisions so we can, he can give us more. Because we don't give our kids things that would be bad for them, right? We don't give a drunk a drink or an, um, a, a drug addict money to buy more drugs. Like we don't, don't do those things, right? And if God, if we're continuing to be, make destructive behavior with our money, I don't want God to give me more, right? Because I'm not a good steward and I'm not managing his money well. So I hope that as you go home this next week, that wherever you are at in your process, and we're going to have a good 10, 15 minutes to have questions for the week, which I think will be great. Um, so whatever you think, and we'll talk about pledges. Again, I haven't, I haven't forgotten about you, Barb. Um, my hope is that when you go home um, next week and in the next few months and years ahead, there's just one thing that we talked about this week that impacts your ability to make decisions in your stewardship. Winston Churchill was asked to do a speech at a graduation. And I don't know the whole speech. I don't have it memorized. But all he got up and said, never give up. Never, 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 ever give up. It, that message, there's this whole thing, no matter how difficult life is, no matter how hard it is, never, never, never give up. And life is really hard. It's really hard in business. It's really hard in our marriages. It's really hard in raising our kids. But what we've talked about this week isn't so much about specifically money, right? It's not specifically about your talents or your time. Like Joel said, it is about our relationship with God. And that is the most important thing in all of this. And so I hope that you're blessed this week. I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up with prayer, if that's okay. And then let's open it up um, just for discussions because that also doesn't get recorded very well. So... Dear Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity for us to be together this week. Thank you for keeping us safe through the storm that was last night, but please be with us as we go through the storms of life. Help us to hang on to you and hold on to you tightly. Thank you for challenging me this week. Please let my time and talents and monies bring me closer to you and that whatever that takes, God, as you've already done things in my life and I know you're doing them in the lives of others, that please, God, that we'll pay attention that we won't just look at that as suffering or as pain or as heartache. 
but that it's you're just trying to get our attention because you desire to be with us for eternity. So please, God, I pray that you will soften our hearts, open our pocketbooks, and may we experience the generosity of, of giving in such a great way that you intended it to be. So please, God, I, I pray for each individual in this room, for their families, for their businesses, for their work, for whatever it is that you've called them to do, and may we do it in a great and mighty way. I ask this in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.